Welcome, welcome to the Sharpway Show. I'm so happy that everybody is here this evening. Today I have with me the one, the only, Olivia Rondo. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Larry? <laughs> awesome. We got a duo today. You thought there's only one of me? No, it's two. There's one more. I got another one. We are yeah. rocking it like there's no tomorrow. I'm so happy to have you here today. But as always, before I go there, guys, please like, comment, share. It does matter. You know I get shadow banned all the time. You have to help me get around it. So please get out there. Click those likes. In fact, if you hate me, click like the mad button or something. I don't care. Click a button, right? Tell me how much you hate me, whatever. Doesn't matter. Like it, comment, share it so that we can keep moving forward. Um, Olivia, you wanted to talk about some stuff today. Tell me what you wanted to talk about. I did want to talk about some stuff. There's a lot yeah. of uh, election drama going on. There's a lot of drama in the Democratic Party going on. We were talking earlier about how um, the Democrats are basically high on cinema and mansion. And I think it's hilarious because they're, to me, it's like I, I'm not going to worship them just because they're like going against the grain of the Democratic Party. But it's just funny to see that they just hate common sense that much to just pile on them like that for something that's like – they're acting like they're like a hardcore right winger when they're really not. But. Have someone like those two senators, Manchin and Cinema, and they're not hardcore right wingers at all. They're not, but they're not being punished for that. They're being punished for not getting in line, right? You're not getting in line, so you get punished for not getting in line. And the only insult I know is to call you the other. So if you're not a Democrat, clearly you're an evil conservative Republican, right? If you're not a Republican, clearly you're an evil Democrat, liberal progressive, right? I just, I only can call you the other, nothing else. It's, it's pretty funny. I think, I guess it, it shows the problem with the duopoly and how little thought there is behind it, because it's like, of course, a Republican will call a more progressive or liberal Republican a rhino, like a Republican in name yes. only, or say that they're a libtard or a secret Democrat or, or, or fake MAGA or whatever, whatever. So, they, I mean, it's, it's just the same thing on both sides. There's no room for nuance. It's politics. So, And that's the hard part. Jonathan says, heard them called the corporate left. That makes me laugh. Like any of them are not corporate left. <laughs> <laughs> right? But that's, uh, well, those two are the corporate left. The rest of Democrats. I mean, the ones are the that are trying people. to raise the, the minimum wage federally to $15, that's a definitely a corporate interest. And Cinnamon and Manchin are the ones that don't want to do that. So, Well, this is a, a point I want to bring up also, right? If, if clearly I'm not, you know, for all of the further left parts of the bill, right? So clearly I'm not. But that's not really my point right now. My point right now is, if I was a Democrat and I wanted those things, I would be very unhappy right now, right? If you're a Democrat and you're like, I want $15, you know, uh, uh, minimum wage, I want unpaid leave, right? I want, I want climate change rules to punish those evil energy companies, right? I mean, yeah. many Democrats want that. And now the Democrats are in charge. Yes, I'm using my air quotes. They're in charge. But they're not getting any of that. Like what I'm seeing this bill become as 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 bad as the bill is, right? It was it was first supposed to be five trillion dollars, then three point five trillion. Now it's like one point five trillion. And the worst part is the one point five trillion 
is going to wind up being only grift. Now, it was going to be grift anyway, right? Like, we were yeah. going to get grift. But, like, there would have been a train of something that we could see. Now yeah. it's just grift, right? And if you're in left, you get no climate stuff. You get no Medicare expansion. You get you get nothing of the thing the left was supposed to give us, right? The left is supposed to give us all these things. It gives us nothing, more grift, more pain, more taxes, I don't know what they expected, though. I feel like the Democrats never claimed to be progressive. Joe Biden never. I mean, he doesn't claim to be a socialist or anything like that. So I don't know why who are more progressive or socialists or leftists voted for this administration and voted these people into the House and Senate that are just not progressives and never really claim to be. Because it's like it's not like people are running on like a Bernie Sanders platform and just not doing it. And a lot of these, a lot of the Democrats are not running on a progressive platform, and they act all surprised that that they're just neoliberal. Well, this is the funny thing that you bring up, also, right? I I think that when you look at 2020, the Democrats were united in only one thing: they really hated Trump. Like that was what they were. They were like, we really. I would talk to people in New York City, and maybe bring up a couple of policies that were more right leaning policies. And people would say, oh, that's not a bad policy. Then I'd say, yeah, that's Trump's policy. Oh, I hate that guy. I hate that policy. Like, that was the reason why they hated it. It was because it was Trump, not because of the policy itself. The actual policy meant nothing. It was, oh, it's Trump's, therefore bad, right? By default. It didn't matter what it was. So that, to be forward, for Democrats was actually a good thing. Because it united them all to, like, we just got to get rid of Trump. And what I think happened is... Most Democrats didn't want to go as far left as the Bernie left. And that's why I think they kind of pushed um, Biden on Democrats. But those far left Democrats, they believed, oh, well, you voted left against Trump. That means you want our ideology. I think they took it as that when it wasn't that. So now they're sort of pushing it. Hey, look, you voted for us. Let's go. But the mainstream Democrats are going, no, no, no. We just hated Trump. We hate you, too. We just hated Trump more than you, but we hate you also. So now they're fighting. That's how I see it. Do you that see the same so or no? sad to realize. That must be so sad to realize that they just got played. I feel like I, it, <laughs> it's so, it, it just it has to be so depressing, like, just to be there, like, oh, my God, we're going to get, like, free health care, free college, yep. uh, you know, all these types of things. And then, no, like, all, the, the defund the police crowd got nothing, literally nothing. Yes. Increase yes. Please budget. Literally. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it is. It is funny to see. Right. That in reality, all of that protesting, all of that rioting, all of that, everything actually got Democrats virtually nothing. My hope is they'll see that maybe it's the wrong way to go to be for the rights, not get anything either. The right lost the election. The the people who were the, the, the strongest Trump supporters are actually not doing well. Um, they're not doing well nationally. So the the, the, far, the farther right people aren't doing as well as they liked either. And the farther left people aren't doing as far as well as they right. In reality, the status quo actually won the election. It's uh, I can't say that I'm surprised because I remember even saying during the Trump administration, I was like, I can't wait for a boring president again. I can't wait for something that, you know, nobody, there, it's not trending on Twitter every day. There's not a crazy tweet every day. There's not some crazy quote every day. And 
the status quo came back. I just feel like people got so tired of dealing with just like crazy, I guess, political theater every day that they just went back to normal political theater, which was just, you know, very, very mundane. And it's the same people that have always been in office. So I get it. I get why it happened. I don't understand mm-hmm. why the, you know, the, the fund, the police crowd and the BLM crowd are surprised by it because this is what always happens. Yes. Um, it's like, they don't learn from history. Uh, it's like they didn't even and, look. And it's not it. even history. It's just it's just the Occupy Wall Street fifteen years ago. Yeah, no, it's not distant history. It's it, it, it's like it's it, they didn't even look at, at at what Biden did in the early two thousands. It, it's not even. It's like when they're these people are alive. I, I feel like being young is not an excuse anymore. Like I was growing up during the Obama administration. I do have memories of you know, Biden. And then looking back, I grew up in high school learning about the Obama administration. It's like, it's not that hard to, you know, look at the policies and look what he's done and just say, not only is he not a progressive, he's not even, he's just not even a good person. Like, I don't understand what they expected. Well, here's what you're seeing again, right? When it came to Occupy Wall Street, they had some actual real issues, right? There is a wealth gap that's existing. That's true, right? There are problems on Wall Street with companies paying no taxes. That's a real thing. So they got upset and got mad and said, we want some real change and we're going to stay here. And then what did they do? The elite said, how about this culture war? Let's do that instead. We'll have you worried about bathrooms and we'll have you worried about other things that are not us losing money. In fact, you know what we do? We'll send like all of our leaders to like sensitivity training. How about that? We'll do that. And people said, we're winning because now we're fighting about bathrooms and sensitivity training. And that was just, that was distraction. That was culture war distraction and no action. And the new CEO is a woman now. She's a woman. That's correct. The new CEO <laughs> who's going to oppress you is a woman now. See? Now? Isn't it good now? So, right? And yes. the more and the cops who are going to kick in your door now, like 30% are black or Hispanic. So isn't that better? Does it kick your door in and, and shoot your dog? And they have a isn't little rainbow better? patch for Pride Month. We'll put a rainbow patch on the tank that rolls down your street. See? <laughs> isn't that awesome? They'll have a rainbow flag. And I think that's what they want to do. And they're doing it again, by the way, if you see it now. There's no real reform, but now we're talking about, you know what, let's have more inclusivity in our government. Let's worry about rights of, uh, of, of, of people in our government. Is it, is it white enough? Is it black enough? Is it gay enough? Is it trans enough? We're asking those questions. And I want to be clear, those questions do matter, right? Social issues matter. They just can't be the priority. And because here's the problem. We worry about things like access, 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 which I do too. But I would rather have a better system and an improving system that allows for more and more access than immediate access to a garbage system. And that's what we're doing. We're forcing immediate access to a garbage system. I'd rather start making the better system. And if access is slower, I'm okay with that. Olivia, am I wrong with this? No, I think, I think you're right. And I think it's kind of like, just like common sense. I don't understand why people don't see it. I don't, or maybe they're just like willfully ignorant about it. That's probably what it is. I feel like it's emotional. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, when, and I see this all the time, right. When, when I'm out, I had a guy who was angry about a certain, um, who was angry about a certain policy. And I said, look, let me tell you how I can realistically fix this policy. And I gave him the realistic way I could do it. He said, yeah, but the other guy, he wants to arrest these guys right now and put them all in jail. 
I said, that's great. I love that. I said, who's going to put him in jail? Well, yeah, nobody, right? He's yelling things that you like, but it's never going to happen. I'm going to give you a real answer to fix the system that'll help you in the future. And you want that guy. He's like, yeah. And the reason why I say it is because emotionally, that guy's right. What he's saying feels a whole lot better. It's never going to happen, but it feels a whole lot better. And I think yeah. when someone yells these things, it feels a whole lot better. Equality, equity, feminism, you know, all these all these things, helping the community, helping refugees. It's like, it sounds great. It, sounds it does. Great. It feels good. Yeah, everything sounds fantastic, actually. I would love free, like, education. I would love free healthcare. That sounds awesome. I want free everything. Let's do that. <laughs> I you love it. Yeah, you should run on that. I got to run on that. Free everything. I might win the governorship that way. Free everything. How? Shut up. Free everything. But how? Just print free everything. More. Just print That's more it. money. Just print. We'll more just money. make everything free. That's it. If you don't do it, I'll put you in jail. Easy day. So Christy says, if cancel culture gets out of control, maybe the red and blue can cancel each other out and we can move on. I think she actually has a point on this one. What I mean by it, as we begin, whoever's in charge begins to cancel, right? Whoever's not in charge begins to absorb. So if you remember, if you go back when Trump was in charge, the Republicans were hardcore Trump. They were like, if you don't worship Trump, you're out, right? It was hardcore. And Democrats were, I don't care where you stand, as long as you hate Trump, you're on our side. Now the, the Democrats are in charge. They're like, nope, you must follow our rules, say our words, speak the way we speak, or you're out. And Republicans are like, do you hate socialism? You're one of us. Yeah, or now it's like, now it's like, do you hate like mandates? You're one of us. It really doesn't matter. There, it's Correct. like a couple of one issues that they're just, you know, which I understand because they're big issues. It, it's a little bit deeper than, do you just have a blind hatred for this politician? It's a little bit deeper. So I give <laughs> yes. them I give him a lot of credit for that. Yes. But I think you see whoever's in charge begins to cancel because I'm in charge now. So you have to do what I say. I feel yeah. like that's how it is. It is. It is. I mean, I feel like I, I see this all the time on Twitter where somebody criticism of Biden and it doesn't have to be a conservative. It could be a leftist who is mad that Biden is not far left enough or whatever. Yes. And could be saying, oh, I don't think Biden is fit for office. He looks really old and he doesn't make sense. And somebody will respond, get out of here, Trump. Get out of here, MAGA cultist. Get out of here, Republican. <laughs> like, there, again, no room for nuance. Uh, everything's so partisan. If you criticize Biden, you're just on the other side. You're just a far right nationalist. And that's... That's the only reason you would criticize Biden. It wouldn't be for like the crime bill. It wouldn't be for like racist statements. It wouldn't be for like not supporting school desegregation. It, it wouldn't be for a slew of things. It would just be because you hate black people for some reason. There we go. Dave says Romney is a rhino and cinema and mansion are dinos. Part of me wishes politics is politics in both of these parties had to actually their rhetoric and ideology for 25 years. You know, it's, that's an interesting point, right? Do do these people actually believe any of the rhetoric? I think Dave has has, has a point there, right? The the part I feel about the the dino part, right? What what Mansion and Cinema are saying, uh, Mansion's, if I remember right, he's like he's not he's against the capital gains tax, the unrealized capital gains tax, and Cinema is against any raising of taxes on this at all. 
Which well, seems like amazing. Which seems like a common sense thing. I mean, I, I I'm gonna be real. I recently learned what unrealized capital. I like I I, I recently learned what it is because I'm not into stocks. I'm not into all that. And so when I realized basically what it is is you can be taxed on the unrealized gain that you had that you didn't even reap the benefits from. You're like your stock could go up and down. You're taxed on this high amount which you don't even have. I, I don't understand how anybody could be for, before that. Rich, well, no, no. Let me explain how this works. And some of you may not know this. So I'm going to be clear on how this works. What happens for people who are very wealthy? I don't mean rich. Like, I don't mean someone who makes a lot of money. That's rich. I'm saying wealthy. That means you have a lot of money. You have it, right? You're not making, you do make money, but you have a lot. You own a lot. You have lots of assets to the point where in many cases, some of you may not know this. You have what's called a family office. A family office is literally a group of financial advisors to take care of your money. You have so much money that you can't take care of it yourself. That's how much money you have. That's wealthy. So you hire an office, a literal company that just deals with all your money. You have so much of it, like all your real estate and all your investments and all your giveaways and all and all your nonprofits. They control it all. It's called a family office. Those people have so much money, they often don't sell things. So say, for example, Olivia, I'm so wealthy, I buy a um I buy an office building. My office building costs me, I don't know, a billion dollars in some city, whatever it costs. As time goes on, the value of that of that um, building goes up. It was a billion. Now it's two billion. Well, I pay my taxes once I sell the building. Well, I'm never going to sell that building because I don't want to pay those taxes. So what do I do? I take a loan against the building. So I get my money without paying my taxes. The only people I pay is my banker who is already making money on me for my other investments. So it gives me a very cheap loan. And that's how the wealthy do it. And that's the idea behind it is to get that guy. Now, in theory, in theory, that actually makes sense. The problem is who's going to write the law? The guy that he pays to write the law. So that guy is going to make a law that gives him a loophole. Like, you know, if it's a, if it's a commercial building with over 5,000 units in it, it's immune or something like that. He doesn't pay. And who gets hammered? Me and you, when we buy a house, that's who gets hammered. When we buy a house, we get hammered. Because in that case, think about this, and if this happens. I buy a house for $200,000 in certain area. Ten years later, it's worth $400,000. I haven't sold it. I'm still living in it. We got to pay taxes on it now as if it's $400,000. Whoa. Whoa, what are you talking about? I'm not, whoa. That's what will happen with you and I. I hope that was clear for everybody watching. Yeah. Was that clearer for you, Olivia? It it definitely makes more sense to me. I, I like I I knew what it was, but I didn't think of it in terms of like large assets, like property and stuff. So that paints a clearer picture and makes it seem even worse to like the common person. Not everybody is dabbling in, in, in on Wall Street. Not everybody is is buying stocks, but you know. Most people want to become homeowners. Most people want to become asset owners. Most people, you know, want to build their wealth and maybe pass something down along to their children, have a house or something. And that is, that is going to affect a lot of people negatively. And so for Democrats to be like shaking their fists, like literally have a mob mentality towards mansion and cinema over this, I, I'm at a loss for words. Is this a, is this a liberal 
thing to do? Is this a leftist thing to do? Is this a progressive thing to do? It just seems like a, it just seems dumb. I don't even understand what, what the goal is, how they can spin this as like a, as a Democrat or progressive policy. Well, um, it's a good, it's a good, I, I feel like what's happened is it's not really about progressivism necessarily. It's just about not being the other, right? So whatever the red team does, I want to not be that if I'm blue. Whatever the blue team does, I want to not be that if I'm red. I feel like it's that more than actually progressivism. I mean, in theory, the left should not be, should not be canceling anybody, right? The left is supposed to be about First Amendment. It's supposed to be about the Bill of Rights, right? They're supposed to be progressive, but that's not what they are. Nowhere near, right? Isn't it supposed to be the right is conservative and and don't say the bad words? It's supposed yeah, to be the conservative. I feel like everything switched because like classical liberalism makes a lot of sense to me. I don't agree with everything about it, but those were the Democrats of like you know ye old times, probably when you were a child or something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a million <absolutely>. years ago. <laughs> absolutely. But well, no, I, I got to give you, yeah, the Democrats were at their strongest. I feel. When they were anti-war, like the anti-Vietnam War in the 60s and the early 70s. That's when you got strong Democrats who were anti-war saying something that's right. After that, I don't know what happened to Democrats. I don't know what happened. Like completely like lack of principles. I feel like the hippies of like the 60s that were against Vietnam, I could get down with that. I could. Absolutely. I, I, that is something to stand for. That is something to protest for. People got arrested for protesting it. People got arrested for, you know, dodging the draft. That was like a crazy time. And then, you know, at, at the same time, Republicans are like freaking out over like rock and roll and telling their kids to <laughs> sending their kids to rehab for smoking weed and stuff. So it was like, you know, the Republicans were not cool. And now it's the left that's all, always trying to cancel things for being offensive and cancel music and cancel art and cancel shows and cancel Netflix, Dave Chappelle specials. And now that's the Republicans true. are the ones that are like being like, hey. Maybe we shouldn't be bombing all these brown people. Maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> Absolutely. It's crazy. I, I agree. So Melissa brings up the, the party, the Libertarian Party. There's a ton of infighting in this party. This is true. Libertarian Party is having the same problems, right? Blue-pilled versus red-pilled. Left libertarians are woke. Right libertarians are alt-right. I think we have the same problems in our party. My gut says not as bad. And this is my, this is my feeling, Melissa, because we have bigger enemies, so I feel like while we have problems, I feel like it's not as bad. Olivia, where do you stand on that? I think the fact that we're even having these problems because, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in the Democratic Party, there is nobody that they're going to call a white nationalist or alt-right or anything. They, they might say that Kirsten Cinema is like, you know, she should just switch parties and be a Republican, but nobody's calling her a racist, alt-right, mm. blah, 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 blah. Um, and in the Republican Party, we have people that are, oh, he's kind of a rhino. He's a little bit too progressive, but nobody in the Republican Party is a communist or a socialist or super far left, uh, right? Okay. And so because we realize that the duopoly is so much more important, like fighting against that, people put their problems aside to be in a libertarian party. So I feel like just by nature of there being this clash between like the far right and the far left in the LP, I think that actually shows something good because they recognize right. that there's a bigger enemy. So they're going to, you know, they're going to be in the same party. They're going to fight a little bit, but they're ultimately they're going to vote the same way. They're going to, you know, caucus and build coalitions and work together. So if they're going to fight, they're going to fight. I, I, I think that liberty unity is possible when it comes down to it. 
Oh, I like how optimistic you are. Melissa, she's optimistic. I like that. There we go. I love yep. it. Um, oh, that's Dave's talking to someone else, not me. Sorry about that. There we go. All right. Timothy says, we need a taxpayer bill of rights for the federal side like Colorado has. That's not a bad idea. I mean, I, I don't know if libertarians do that because we don't want to even validate taxation. But you know, look, if, if we could start with the bill of rights, maybe... Maybe that's the right beginning, a, a Bill of Rights for taxation. Maybe. So I'm I'm unfamiliar with the taxation Bill of Rights in Colorado. Um, I think what he's saying is he, he that you want to create one that says, you know, what what you're taxed for, things like that. Right. I mean, I think that's that's the concept. Right. So uh, I, I don't I again, to Ryan's point, taxation is theft. So do we want to validate theft? I, I, I don't know. I think it's. Could it could it could have could a tax bill of rights be a first step or does a tax bill of rights validate taxation to a point that libertarians wouldn't be able to handle that? Let me see if I can find the, ta- the Colorado's taxation bill of rights. Libertarians have to stop being super idealist. I think they should take what they can get sometimes. I think uh, <laughs> it, it might have been be the first person to say that. Well, I, I I think and I'm a big Thomas Massey fan. And so I remember uh, okay. being a little bit disappointed when I believe it was him. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe it was him that voted like against a bill that would, I think, that was closer to de- decriminalization of marijuana or legalization of marijuana. And it wasn't as far as he would like it. So he ended up voting against it. And I was like, come on, dude. Like, isn't it be closer? Um, so... Uh, I get I get when people are Puritan and, and people stick to their principles no matter what, but I think there's compromise to be made in some in some places. Let me see if I can grab this. I have a a, a bit I found it here. This is the Colorado uh, Constitution, Article Ten, Taxpayer Bill of Rights, and it talks about the fiscal year, um, what it's for, taxation exemptions. Um, this just seems like tax bills right now. Tax it seems like this um, I'm not seeing a Bill of Rights here um, I guess it's about what can be oh, okay a property that shall be exempt there's something here see household furnishings personal effects um, okay so I guess it's, it's saying what can't be taxed alright I guess that's something I don't know there we go Ditches and canals can't be taxed. That's kind of weird, but anyway. So I guess I didn't it's something. Know that they were ever taxed. I didn't know you could tax tax ditches, but I guess you can. Um, and look, the government will tax anything it can. Now it taxes holes <laughs> in the ground. I love it. Amazing. I mean, <laughs> amazing. That's pretty. Funny. So it's saying what 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 year it starts. Uh, maybe right. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. What, what what's your gut, Olivia? What do you think? Um. Now that I now that you've read through a little bit of it, it doesn't seem like it would do a whole lot. I'm not sure how substantial that is or how effective it is. Um, so now I'm kind of going back to your point. Like, is this just going to validate some things that shouldn't be validated? Because I thought it was going to be like, no taxes above this percent of your income. Like, something, something <laughs> okay, really good. you know, like not like no taxes above ten percent. Like I was, I was like, I was ready for that. So I, I you know, no taxes against on ditches. All right. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm not sure. I'm impressed by that one. Yeah. Act someone's hole in the ground. Ah, fine, I guess. Okay, yes. so uh, can you bring up the new comment from Ryan? Because I wanted to 
Read it. Ryan, which one? Uh, I believe Massey. Yeah. Yeah, I believe Massey voted against marijuana legalization because it was a federal tax tied to it. We don't have a federal tax on alcohol, do we? Yeah. So I guess that's what I was referring to. It was some time ago, so my memory on it was kind of fuzzy. And obviously, no, we don't have a federal tax on all alcohol. And uh, Dave that, says we do have a tax on oh, alcohol. I don't know. Federal? I thought we just had a state tax on it. I don't think we have federal either, but I could be wrong. Does anybody happen to know if we actually have a federal tax on alcohol? I'm not sure if that's true. And I know we have federal control over alcohol. That I know. The federal government decides what alcohol is which, what is what. The federal government does that. I didn't know if there was a tax on it. But but go ahead, please, Olivia. I was just going to say, either way, that's not right. I'm not saying that putting a tax on, on marijuana is right. But I would rather let people out of jail and not let people be incarcerated if it was legalized. So we can deal, we can fight the taxation all we want. I think that ruining people's lives and ruining families is a little bit more important. And so mm. I get that Massey's trying to stick to his principles. And I 100% agree with him like 98% of the time. That was just in that little 2% of time. I was like, come on, man. Like, think think about the bigger picture here. Yeah. Logic says compromise, okay, but no compromise concerning 2A. No more goal, gun control law. Not one more, but that's just me. I agree. Um, with yeah, I agree. I'm not fighting you on that logic. Go ahead, Olivia, go ahead. I feel like there's a couple of things that you can't compromise on. It's like the first amendment and the second amendment are like the two most important things that you just should never give an inch on, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I would go one step further. I agree with your logic is that first, no more new gun laws. Then let's stop peeling them back. Right. Uh, no more new is not enough, if that makes any sense. That's a good place to start. I think if we had that, that that was the let's stop it from going forward. And then we began to move it. Maybe. Right. Then. OK. Melissa's on your side. She goes, Olivia, I agree on libertarian puritism. She's with you. Absolutely. Thank you. Melissa. She agrees. Um, yes. <laughs> and what yes. you just brought up about uh, no new gun laws is not enough. I agree with that. And that's something that a lot of gun lobby groups don't even care about. Like the NRA has just said, I believe, what's the guy's name? Wayne LaPierre or whatever yep. the guy that's in charge of the NRA or was in charge of the NRA. He did a speech at, I think, CPAC, the most recent CPAC or maybe CPAC last year that was talking about Democrats should just stop making gun control laws. They have enough already in the books and they should just enforce that. And I was like, they should just enforce what's on the books. All right. So you think Chicago should just be without guns. DC should just be without guns. New York city should just be without guns. All these like urban black areas should just be without guns. He literally just came out and said that like literally let's enforce the gun laws, which are overwhelmingly in poor urban areas and leave the rest of us like white Republicans alone. That's basically what <laughs> yes. I know. Yes. Y'all can do what you want Enforce your own gun control. Leave us alone. Just no more new stuff. And I was like, Oh my God. And then I realized that a lot of people feel that way. The NRA is the largest gun lobby, and he is the head and face of it. So it's not like some secret leaked document. He got up there at CPAC, the conservative political action conference, and said that. Yes. And the worst part is, where's most of the violence? In those poor cities. Yes. In those poor cities. With the, with the most strict gun laws, that's where all the gun violence is. In, in those places. In New York City, literally... The worst, some of the worst, if not the worst, gun laws in the country. We found five guns in two days in New York City schools. Can you make it any more illegal? The guns are illegal. 
It's government property. It's a school and they're minors. Illegal on every level. And it's New York City. It's still five. I, what, I, what else can you do? How much more illegal can you make it? Do you make it that the second you see the gun, you execute everyone in the room? I, mean, I don't know how that works. I, I don't know what else you can do. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. Look, I'm I'm not an NRA fan. Obviously, I prefer gun owners of America tremendously to, to NRA. I definitely prefer gun, gun owners of America because the NRA just accepts whatever the Republican status quo is. GOA doesn't. So I'm a, a bigger fan of GOA for sure. That's just my view. People, you'll like who you like. No, I'm a I GOA like fan. GOA. I definitely like GOA. At the, so the video I told you, I'm still editing, but it'll be up soon. The video I told you where I was at this like survival and emergency preparedness seminar in Richmond, which was put on by a bunch of like Black Guns Matter people and you know community activists. The Gun Owners of America sponsored it. They paid for the venue. They paid for everything. They had a table set up there. You know, exchange contact information. And now we're talking about stuff. And I and I, you know, they take a like severe no tolerance stance, severe no compromise. I mean, they were talking about giving giving violent felons back their Second Amendment rights. They don't care. They don't I'm care. I'm actually no with them. gun control. No, not one little bit of gun control. And that's why I respect them. Well, look, I'm I'm actually with them on that. And some people think I'm crazy when I say it, but my point is whether you're a violent, violent felon or not, once you've paid your debt to society, whatever that is, right, you've done your time. Once you get out, you get your rights back but to include Second Amendment rights. Now, you don't want them to have guns in prison. Okay, fine with that. I'm not fighting you on that one, right? You can keep the no guns in prison part, right? Even though there are guns in prison. But I'll keep that, no guns in prison. But once you get out, once you've done your time and you're out, you should get all your rights. You should be able to vote on land, have a firearm. It should not matter. You have paid your debt. Move on. I'm, I actually agree with them completely. I don't care I if it's violent or not. I agree with it, too, because I just take the stance of, and you know, as a woman, I think about this. Would would you want, like, a rapist to have a gun? Would you want a murderer, you know, a child abuser, someone like that to have a gun? I'm of the opinion that if you can't trust somebody to have a weapon to protect themselves in society, they should not be in society. We should not yes. be letting out murderers and pedophiles and women abusers and child abusers out of prison. They should just stay there. We don't have to take away, you know, uh, somebody like a somebody who had a DUI's gun rights for the rest of their life. We don't have to take somebody who who had a felony amount of marijuana on them for the rest of their life. I think that violent criminals who are clearly not able to be rehabilitated, mm-hmm. like you know, a child abuser or something like that, just don't let them out. That's it. Well, you but or or that's one option. The other option is try to rehabilitate them. No, I think rehabilitation is definitely possible. I just think, like, yes. as a woman, I can't stomach letting, like, a, a, you know, a violent rapist ever have a gun or ever be out of prison. So I'm just like, I think to me it's a non-issue when people bring up that argument. Let me argument. go one step further. Let's say I'm this violent rapist and I can't have a gun. What will I do? I'm a violent rapist. You could get a knife. You could beat somebody up. You could. I'll get an illegal gun. You oh, can't okay. stop me yeah. from having a gun. <laughs> I just can't have a legal gun. So I won't have a legal gun when I go rape someone. I'll have an illegal gun when I rape somebody. So when I go back to jail, I'll go to jail for 30 years plus five for having an illegal gun. That's the difference, but it's not going to stop me from being the bad guy that I am, right? Or I'll use a knife or a bat or whatever. I'll whatever. But if I'm that violent guy, 
I'll just get a gun anyway. Kids in New York City have guns. You're going to stop a violent rapist from getting a gun? No, you can't outlaw guns. You can't, I'm sorry, you can't stop guns. You can only stop legal guns. So I'll just have an illegal one, right? That's what I'll have. So again, maybe I'll get extra time the next time I'm a terrible person, but I'm still going to be a terrible person. <laughs> and this reminds me because I was uh, when I was when I was editing that um, that war on drugs video I had put up on the channel like last week, mm-hmm. I was watching a bunch of your speeches and you know podcast appearances on the war on drugs. I think you might have said this at your speech at Columbia because that was one of the videos that I watched. But you were basically talking about how putting these people on the other side of the law in terms of drugs creates this black market with guns. So the yep. same thing can be applied to guns, putting these people on the other side of the law, like somebody who, let's say, I, let's say I have a felony. Uh, I know in Maryland above 50 pounds of marijuana, that's a felony charge. I don't have 50 pounds of marijuana. I'm just saying <laughs> the, you got, you got 49.5 reason- <laughs> right now. I, got the reason I know that, but it's <laughs> not the reason you guys think anyways. It, should I be able to not have a gun when I get out of prison? I didn't commit anything violent. I am a felon, but I've done nothing to harm anybody. Basically, my crime was victimless. For my personal protection, let's say I want to get an illegal gun. Now I'm on the other side of the law. Now yeah. if somebody breaks into my house and I have to shoot somebody, now if somebody's following me home and I have to pull my gun out, I can't call the police. I'm a criminal. That's correct. Another yes. felony. That's another felony. I'm going back to prison. Yes. Because you're creating these laws, you're creating a black market, and you're creating people who are helpless on the other side of the law. Because another thing you said in that speech was, we all have guns, even if you don't have a gun. You just rent yours. You call it the cops, and your guns come. But yep. if you are a felon, and you have something on you, like an illegal like amount of drug or, a drug or an illegal gun, you can't. Correct. You can't. Yes. Somebody said, and all victimless crime laws. I agree. 100%. Absolutely. So Missy says, uh, support the show. But yes, you can support the show. But she's right. You can like and comment and share. And it's free. Absolutely. But something else you can do. You know our sponsors. I tell you every single time. It's the Advocates for Self-Government. They're our sponsors. They have tons of tests and surveys on their on their website, theadvocates.org. The one I want to talk about is what we're talking about today. Respect. Human Respect. You can take the human respect test, click that link right there. It's in the description. Click that link, head on over there, take that test. If you've taken it, awesome. If you haven't, share it. Sorry, if you haven't taken it, if you have taken it, share anyway. Just take it and share it. Why do these tests matter so much? Because it makes people talk about the actual issues and not just left-right paradigm. And I want people talking about the issues. And these tests and these surveys get people talking about the issues. And that's what I want. So please do that. It does matter. It makes my it makes my sponsors happy, and they keep the show going. And if you want to help yourself, no worries. Patreon.com slash Shopway. Throw a couple bucks our way. 10 bucks, 25 bucks, whatever you can per month to keep this show going. It does matter. So thank you very much for that. So I'm sorry. I kind of cut you off a little bit there. Um, Logic is yelling, cancel Dave Chappelle. You know, The problem with cancel culture that I'm going to bring up right now is it only cancels the weak. It doesn't cancel the strong. Yeah, you you have to kind of submit and just take it if you're going to get canceled. But he said, I don't care. Yes. And and that's it. 
and yes, people watched it. People liked it. I mean, the critics didn't like it. If you go on like Rotten Tomato, you can see that the like the movie critics and the comedy critics rated it pretty low, but the audience ratings were pretty high, as Dave Chappelle's audience ratings always pretty much are. So, I mean, that just shows it for itself. I mean, the corporate media and mainstream media can cancel you, but, you know, the audience is not going to change their opinion because the audience is your fans. Well, there's the issue, right? The, the thing that, that you have to think about is if you're some up-and-coming comedian, right, you have to worry because if you're an up-and-coming comedian, you can be canceled, right? Because you're going to go to smaller venues, and if enough loud people show up at that venue – They'll say you can't come here and literally you'll be canceled. But if Dave Chappelle wants to come to your venue, you don't care who shows up. You're letting Dave Chappelle come to your venue. It doesn't matter, right? He's a powerhouse. So the powerful go wherever they want, right? So if Chappelle wants to go to your small comedy club, you're saying, yeah, you don't care who else is out front. But Larry Sharp, upcoming, you know, comedian, you go, Larry, get out of here, man. You're going to kill me. Get out. They don't care. So that's the problem with the cancel culture. It actually winds up only punishing the weak and not punishing the strong. And that's the part that bothers me. It definitely does bother me. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I, I have to criticize some aspects of cancel culture. And some aspects of cancel culture are just the free market. If you're saying yes. something that's horrible and offensive and people don't want to pay you to say things anymore... That's kind of what happens, but we yes. can still critique it. You know, we can still critique what people are, you know, not paying you for or firing you for because, you know, it's, I don't think it's one size fits all. It's like if, if I'm a comedian and I go up there and start just, I, I start throwing rocks at trans people in the audience and I'm like, boo, get out of here. And I'm like, haha, it's a joke. And people don't want to pay me to be a comedian anymore. That's kind of my fault. Um, so yeah. but that's cancel culture. <laughs> so so, I, but, but here's my difference, though, right? So let's say you do that and you throw rocks at trans. Please don't throw rocks at trans people. But let's <laughs> assume you decide to do something that, 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 right? Cancel culture should be, look at what Olivia did. She threw rocks at trans people, thought it was a joke. That's horrible. That's distasteful. That's cruel. That's dehumanizing. She should never, no one should do that. Olivia, why would you do that? Say sorry. Stop doing that. Stand up and say it right. And what should happen is you go, you know what, Larry, you're right. I thought it was a joke. I thought it would be funny. I was way wrong for doing that. I shouldn't be throwing rocks. I'm sorry about that. That action was bad. And people go, yeah, she recognized that. Life is good. Move on. The action is attacked. Not what you. I, but what the if I was action. like, what if I was like, I'm glad I threw those rocks to those trans people and I'll do it again. Hold on. Now, let me go back to what I'm saying. I'm saying what should happen. I'm not saying what does happen. Right. This is my perfect world thing. Right. Okay. In my perfect world, we would attack the action. You would recognize the action is wrong. Admit it. Say it was wrong and move on. That would be Larry's perfect world with unicorns and leprechauns, right? Okay. That's not what happens, right? What happens is the second you do it, I call you a transphobe, a racist, a horrible human being, a Nazi. I attack you directly, specifically, uh, you personally. The action is now irrelevant. You are personally now a bad human being that I can now dehumanize. So you dehumanize people with your action and in, retrospect, and now in, in response, I dehumanize you, and you now are no longer allowed to do anything ever again, ever. You must now keep that stain on your life for the rest of your life. You can't have a, anything. 
That's not the right way because what I've just done by the second way is I've told you your only option is to fight back because if you don't fight back, you are destroyed. So you must fight back and you must double down and you must say, I'm glad I did it. And you must say to hell with them. If you don't, you lose. In my first scenario, if you were the one rare person who said that, you would really be that bad person and worthy of the things that I said to you. What I'm saying is in the current world, I say that without even finding out if you're worthy of it. I just immediately assume you're evil versus saying your actions were bad. What do you think? And you would go, you know what? Those are crappy actions. You're right. No, no, no. You're evil. That's my, my point on what should versus what does. Uh, you know what? That I agree with that. And that actually sounds plausible because I feel like that's happened a couple times already in the media. I believe it was Nick Cannon who was being canceled for saying something that was anti-Semitic. I don't remember what he said. So if it was or wasn't, I don't even know. But I remember he like did an interview. Like I think he sat down with a rabbi or something. And I think the Jewish community sat down with Nick Cannon and like educated him on things to not say. And then he apologized and then he went back to his show and it was fine. <laughs> and that's what happen. And he's not canceled. So yes, I don't know. that's what should happen. Right. That's what should happen. Look, I don't know that specific situation, but I can understand that if you're part of a an Orthodox Jewish community, you know what real, you know, persecution's about. Like, you know that what it's about. It's about camps and death camps, and that's what it's about. Call, saying a bad Jewish name, which is bad, but compared to death camps? You know what? Let's have a conversation is all I'm saying. I think that they could get that. That's worth a conversation, right? I think that that's a big piece. And I remember this is an interesting personal story of mine. When I was a kid in, in high school, I worked at a bank and it was a German bank. And the bank, this is back in the 80s, 70s and the 80s. And at that point, the German government was still giving, I think it still does, reparations checks to uh, survivors of the, of the Holocaust and some of their and some of their family members. And so they were uh, they were still sending checks out. But this is before the age of the Internet. Physically, the checks went in the mail. Right. And we had to hand them out and stuff. So I was actually a check stuffer. That was my my job in high school to stuff checks. So I'd stuff the reparation checks in them and envelopes. And sometimes people come to the bank and physically grab them. And I remember meeting people who actually were this is the 70s and 80s who were actually survivors of the Holocaust versus ones who weren't. And what I remember still to this day, and I was a teenager, 14, 15, I forgot how old I was, that the people who were the actual survivors of the Holocaust, meaning had the tattoo on the arm, right? Actual were in the camp. Those people were some of the most lovely and happiest people that I'd ever met. They were like so happy to be alive. They loved life. They talked about positive stuff. They weren't mad because they were in a German bank. They didn't care. But some of the people who weren't, were those who were descendants who weren't even in the camps. Some of them were so angry and so like disgusted. They were even in the German bank. I was like, wow, you weren't even in the camp. You're working into a German bank. You're picking up a check. And the people who work in the bank, most of them are American. They aren't even German, right? Most of them are American who work in the bank. Some of them were German descendants, but most of them were just Americans who worked in the bank. And the vitriol from people who weren't even in the Holocaust was surprising to me as a teenager. I assumed that the people who were in the camps would be the angriest 
you were in a camp, right? I'm assuming you're the, yeah. you're the maddest of them all. But I didn't see that. I saw the reverse. That's very interesting. And I can definitely see why that is. I feel like I have a similar, it's kind of similar experience with my grandparents, especially my granddad, because, you know, my grandparents, they grew up during segregation, um, you know, well into their adulthood. My granddad's 85. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he dealt with that and he, and he was in the military. So he had to deal with racism and segregation while he was in the Air Force. And I, it's very funny because... You would expect, you know, some people expect people who went through like horrible traumas by white people and racism by white people, like they're going to hate white people or they're going to hate the system or he's probably not proud to be an American, right? Because he served his country and his country treated him so badly, you know, when he came home. And uh, that's not the case at all. He's like so happy. He's so proud to be here. He's very patriotic. Tells like awesome stories about being in the Air Force all the time. Is is so just so happy to be here in general. I've gotten so many questions actually, and I don't know if you've experienced this because you're biracial as well. But people have always asked me like, "Are your grandparents okay with you being mixed? Like, are are your black grandparents okay with having like you know a white uh, daughter-in-law or like half white grandchildren?" And they love my mom so much. They love us so much. And it's just like, it's just not a thing that they think about. But in contrast today, a lot of people my age are on this whole, like, I hate white people. I hate America. I hate, like, my ancestors suffered for this. And I don't even want to be here. I want to go back to Africa. But it's like the people who overcame that, they're, like, just trying to live their life and reap the benefits of overcoming that. They're not trying to, like, overthrow anything. They're just, they're glad they made it. They're glad they're here. Absolutely. Dave says, real people that experience real oppression, not liberal idiots who get misgendered or joked on. You know, that's, I rem, you know, let me, I'm glad you brought that up. There are two things that this reminds me of, right? I remember, um, I remember people talking to me about this. Larry, if you run for governor, you're going to have people get mad at you. If you say something wrong, you've said bad things, whatever. And what I say is, and people see me on the show do it. If I've said something that seems wrong, I ask if I've hurt the individual. There's an individual who's bothered or hurt by it. And this is an individual who's bothered or hurt by what I said. Very often, I will literally, I will literally just apologize to that individual. I'm not trying to hurt an individual or a person. But usually the people who are the loudest are not the person who's hurt. It's the person who thinks others should be hurt. So they get... They get upset and start going, Larry, you've insulted the trans community. And I say, are, are you trans? Well, no. Are, are you hurt by it? Well, no, but you said this bad thing. So you're just mad. Yeah, I'm mad. And my response if you're mad is, take a hike. I don't care if you're mad. I'm not apologizing to you. Take a hike, have a nice day. I don't care. However, if you are hurt by it, I will tell you I'm sorry if I hurt you. And there's a difference, right? If you're someone who I actually hurt, right? who says, Larry, that thing you said hurt me. I 95% of the time, I'm going to apologize to you because I don't want to hurt you. But if you're someone who's mad because you think I said something you don't like, take a hike. I don't care what you have to say. Bye. Bye. Don't care. Don't ever watch me again. Pack your trash. Don't care. That's how I feel. Part, the best part is when it's white people trying to say you did something wrong for the black community. <laughs> yes that's why i love it. okay bye like yes out of my face right now because i'm about to i'm like not gonna be nice to you i honestly yes. i feel like such like hatred and vitriol for white liberals who come to me telling me that i'm like a sellout or i'm doing something to disappoint i've had this one white lady on twitter said i was disappointing my ancestors that really 
Oh my that god. That was like yeah. the worst thing to apologize. I honestly call me the N-word. I would rather you call me the N-word than say some dumb stuff like that because it's like yes, you're, you're like a 30-year white one. What do you know about oppression? What do you know about it? What do you know well, about it? Like literally well, let me be very clear. I want I want I want to defend her in one way. Does she know about oppression? Maybe as a woman. She might, right? I don't know what she's been through. Perhaps she's been oppressed as a woman. Maybe I don't know her background. But if that's your case, then deal with that issue, right? If she has been oppressed as a woman, and maybe she has, I don't know her background, then open your mouth about that because that you would know about because that affected you. But why are you open your mouth about my stuff? I'm not asking you to save me. Now, oh, if I'm you asking you to save me, part. that's different, but I'm not. <laughs> you want to know the best part? The comment, the post that she made this comment on had nothing to do with race. It was saying that I, it was actually about a similar, it was before the Dave Chappelle thing, but I, it was actually a tweet about how people are overly sensitive to like the, to not offend like the whole, the LGBT community. And somebody, yes. this is why they said, you are a shame to your ancestors. You're like so right wing. I don't know. It was like, why do you think my sl- enslaved ancestors would ever give a crap about any of this? <laughs> Absolutely, you think my yes. ancestors are like sitting there, be like, "Oh my, that Dave Chappelle, he just went too far <laughs> with that joke." Like, what are you talking about, lady? Like, that yes. was an insane person comment. My ancestors who were, were shackled on 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 a slave ship, yeah, they cared about whether or not Dave Chappelle went too far at a gay joke. Uh, not their but, issue. So that's why that's why I hesitate to say that she knew what oppression was or had been oppressed before, because the the post was not about oppressing anybody. She just brought up my oppressed ancestors for zero reason. Well, Dave brings up something. He says he brings up the Uncle Ben and the Aunt Jemima are getting divorced, right? Ben was seeing Mrs. Butterworth on the side. Cute. Um, but but no. I, Wow, we went down a, a weird road here, but that's fine. I'm happy we're on this road. Um, I, I want to bring up the, 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 the Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima piece. This goes back to culture war, right? People were worried about, hey, things are not good. We're fighting. We're upset. They were about police brutality and the war on drugs. And instead of us deciding, let's end the war on drugs or let's end the lockdowns or let's change how we police any of those things. Instead, we said, I'll pull Uncle Ben off the rice box. How about that? Right? I'll pull Aunt Jemima off the syrup. That, that'll make you happy. And I think to myself, I, I don't really care about either of those. Like, I wasn't sitting at home mad about Uncle Ben. I wasn't, you know, in the store going, Uncle Ben, racist. I wasn't doing that, right? I mean, it wasn't a thing. And to be forward, it's a, only my personal opinion. I actually liked the Aunt Jemima picture. It I felt like, too. yes, it felt like mom. Like I liked the Aunt Jemima. It felt like grandma. Mom's. Not it true. reminded me of my grandma too. Yes, exactly. It reminded me of grandma. It did. My grandma in Brooklyn. It reminded me of my I grandma in Brooklyn. Say, don't say mom because your mom is white, so don't That's say. That's true. Mom. It my mom, my grandma. That's why I, 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 I changed my mom after I said it. It reminded me of grandma, right? It reminded me of my grandma in Brooklyn. It really did, and that was a warm, fuzzy feeling for me. I didn't mind Aunt Jemima at all. Uncle Ben didn't connect to me. Though. I didn't really, I had nothing to do with Uncle Ben. Didn't mean anything to me. But Aunt Jemima <laughs> okay. was good. Aunt Jemima was good. I liked it. Like, it wasn't a bad feeling for me at all. And so, anyway, but they gave us that, I guess. So, should we be happy? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I would have preferred ending the war on I drugs just... or police reform, but I guess I'll take 
on that, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, who is sitting at home saying, thinking like this is their voter issue? This is this is their this is their important thing that we have to really really harp down on, and we really have to make a big deal because it was a big deal for so long. I feel like it because of like the, you know the BLM riots and because of like George Floyd's death like ignited so much and yes. it ignited so many grifts honestly. Um, that people were just trying to appease the black community any way they could. And not by people, I mean, corporate interests and politics, yes. not really the everyday person. Um, and not really in areas that matter, but people were just trying to do anything like gra- grasping at straws, grasping at straws to not offend black people to the point where it's like, we're going to erase any type of image of a black person's face on a product because it might be offensive to one person. Nobody's really complaining right. about it. Like, like I didn't see anyone really complain about it. I grew up with it my whole life. Never had an issue with it. Didn't know it was Never. an issue. Um, the same thing with, I, I believe it was on the Lando Lakes Butter, the Native American woman that's on the right. Lando Lakes thing. She was also taken off. I don't understand that. It, it's just, <laughs> why? Why? So let's, let's make sure there's absolutely no representation of people of color anywhere. That, that'll make it better. I, I, I don't know why that's a thing. I, I don't. But again, this goes back to my point, though. That becomes culture war. I feel like I'm winning. See, look, Uncle Ben's off the rice. Win, but nothing's changed, right? The same problems are still there. The same issues are there. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go down a road that some people don't like me to go down. But George Floyd didn't die because of a bad cop. The bad cop killed him, but he didn't die because of that. He died because of the lockdowns. The government killed him. Lockdowns, along with the war on drugs, is what killed George Floyd. Why? Prior to the lockdowns, George Floyd had a job. He was actually clean. He, he was, was actually coming back. He was a guard or a bouncer or something. Yes. Lockdowns happened. Lost his job. Lost his job. Couldn't see his kids anymore. Went, on, went back to drugs. Gave in a bogus $20 bill because who knows if he was high or not. Who know, I think he was high, right? Who knows if he knew what he was doing or not, did that. I've accidentally paid with a bogus $20 bill before that I didn't know it was bogus. I just got it from I, – I don't remember exactly where I got it from, but I remember I was at the gas station, and they did the little yep. marker thing, and I was like, oh, man. And they were like, it happens all the time. So yep. he may not even have known. We don't even know. Who knows? But my point is he wouldn't have been on drugs, and he wouldn't have been there because he would have been at work. So if it wasn't for the lockdowns, George Floyd isn't dead. George Floyd's dead because of lockdowns. Take away lockdowns. I'm sorry. George Floyd wouldn't have been killed that day. How do I know if he would have lived? I have no idea. But he would not have been killed that day if it wasn't for the lockdowns. He'd have been at work and he wouldn't have been on drugs. Because he wasn't on drugs before the lockdown and he was at work. So you took away his job. You took away everything. And now that's what happens. What do you expect? You got a guy who was already in trouble. George Floyd had failed many times in his life. He was already in trouble. He had finally had some opportunity, and the lockdowns came and finished him off. That's what finished off George Floyd. It's the lockdowns, because there's no reason for Chauvin to be there if Floyd's not there. Nothing happens if, if it wasn't for the lockdowns. The government lockdowns killed George Floyd. And I know that makes some people unhappy, but that's true. No, I think it's true. I've never really thought about that way. I've always thought about... I didn't even think that Derek Chauvin was like setting out that day to murder somebody. I don't think he even went to the scene and was like, I'm going to kill this guy. I don't think he put him on the ground thinking I'm going to kill this guy. So I don't think it was, while it is his fault, I I think it's, it's, 
it's more representative of overarch uh, overarching theme with the way that police departments handle yep. handle small crimes such as that. There's no reason to get all physical and you know pin someone, pin someone by the neck. But it wasn't the police handbook. It was in their training. So that's what they were taught to do. So I don't think he was setting out there to murder somebody, but that's the end result. So it's indicative of what they're they're taught to do. And as you said, it's even more of the overarching theme of what even put these people in place today to begin with. What even led him down this path back to relapse on drugs? Yes, ab- absolutely. So th- so that's my biggest piece with that. Nothing changed. And what's changed? There's still fentanyl on the streets. There's still drugs. The war on drugs is still going on. What's changed? There's still lockdowns, right? There's still there's still all of that stuff, right? Shelly just says something I didn't know. Um, Shelly says George Floyd was a volunteer at his church. The government shut down his church. Well, I didn't even know that. Wow. Wow. Well, you know this. A lot of people, not everybody, obviously, not everyone is, is spiritual, but a lot of people use the church as a way, uh, as a community, to help them get over their addiction. That's a common issue. You use your community. For some people, that's church. Many people in the black community, that's church. So he went to the church to find a community so he could, you know, get out of his addiction. And the government said, no church, so no community, and no job, so no purpose. So no community and no purpose to an addict. They're going to go back. I don't, I'm not, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to go back. The government decided yeah. to, to finish end his life, and the government did. It really makes That's me it. sad because, you know, like AA and NA, they're all held in churches. Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous is a religious organization, technically. They're all it they're is. all held in churches. Churches are put on by religious organizations. It's like, just think about people in the last year who were about to get their chip and then AA is canceled and everything is locked down. And even when you get to go back to AA, it's on Zoom and it's virtual. You can't talk to people face to face. You can't pull somebody aside to confess something or get some advice on something or to vent about something. And now you relapse. And you're looking at yourself like, oh, my God, like, I can't I couldn't do it. But the government is the one that took away your resources. Yeah, I'm telling you, and look, my mother was an addict. I know what it's like to have an addict in your life. And what I'm saying is, if I was an addict, I would rather risk COVID. That's all I'm saying. If I was an addict, I would rather risk COVID than miss my meetings. That's what I'm saying, because. The hell that addicts go through when they relapse. And if anyone has an addict in their life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're watching, you are an addict. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The hell you go through going relapsing and coming back. You know what? I would understand if you would gamble on COVID. Because even if you went to the hospital for COVID, it might be better than going back in that hell of relapsing and then having to try to come back out of that hell. You know what? gamble on COVID. And I don't decide that to be forward. You do as the individual, you decide that on going through COVID or not. And the government has said, no, we know better. It's life and death, Larry. What do you care about addicts? Because I know what it's like to have an addict in my life. And you don't see them for literally a year or more. And some of you know what I'm talking about when you have an addict in your life and they go away and you can't find them for literally a year or two, sometimes longer. And when they come back, they're a different person. Or when you see them, they're in jail. Not the greatest thing to happen when you have an act in your life. That's all I'm saying. So I'm, I'm sorry. We're, that. We're going down some dark roads, Olivia. It's your fault. I'm blaming yeah. you. Uh, I'm sorry. It's okay. You can blame me. <laughs> it's all your fault. Sorry. I love it. It's all your fault. That's good. Okay. Yes. Craig says, Larry's spitting fire tonight. I appreciate it, my friend. I am. 
I am trying to 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 make stuff better. That's all. Yes. So anyway, um, Shelly says addicts are essential too. Look at that. You're right. They matter. I, everyone matters. Everyone is essential. I completely agree. David says addiction is hell. Thank you, David. And maybe someone decides their hell would be a gamble with COVID versus a gamble with addiction. I don't know what demons you are struggling with. I don't know what demons any individual is struggling with. And I don't get to judge your demons. You do. I don't get to judge them. And you decide what demons you want to fight and the way you want to fight them. That's simply the way it has to work out. That's between you and your family and friends and those who love you. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit preachy, but it just it just bothers me when government decides who's essential, who matters, and who doesn't. It bothers me very much. So yes. Anyway, um, yes. My uh, Michael says you can't hate the people that feed you. That's true. Uncle Ben fed me too. <laughs> That's true. They both did. <laughs> but he did nothing for you. You felt no emotional connection to Uncle Ben. I didn't. And I got to tell you, it's funny, you know, um, I didn't. I, I didn't feel anything towards him. I liked Aunt Jemima. I didn't feel anything towards Uncle Ben. I didn't feel anything. I don't know why. I don't know. Is that a bad thing? Should I have felt t- close to Uncle Ben? Uh, I don't know about that. It just seems a little bit sad. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. And it, my, my father was black. So, I mean, but no, I guess I felt closer. Maybe it's the feed thing. Maybe, you know what? Maybe Michael's right. Like, my father never fed us. Like, he was... Totally traditional male, total traditional, never fed us, never cooked, ever. If he had to take care of me, we going out to eat because he's or I'm not eating. He's just never feeding me ever. That's who he was. Right. My mom was the one who always cooked. And we went to his mom's house. His mom, my grandma, always cooked. There was always food in the house. So I think that's where I see I grew up more traditional household. So I think that's kind of how it was. So I never felt like dad feeds you. What's funny in my household, I do feed my kids, but I did my, that did not happen in my uh, when I was a kid. So maybe that's it. Maybe Michael's right. I didn't care about Uncle Ben because men never fed me when I was a kid. <laughs> that's like some deep like psychological analysis. I don't know where you're Michael's got me on the couch. He's got me on the couch. Yeah, tell me, tell me about your father, life. Larry. <laughs> Michael's got me on the couch already. It's not good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's good. Yes. It's like therapy. Love that. Tom says, I love when people try to tell Martha Bueno, Martha uh, Bueno, it's Latin X. That's always fun. I love Martha. Yes, that's that's very funny. Yeah. I, um, This thing that does, does bother me, right? How does someone who's not part of a community tell that community what they should be called? I don't know. It brings me back to this time in elementary school where my principal made an announcement over like we had uh, in the morning, they would bring out like they would wheel out the TV and we watched the morning announcements on it. And the principal was on there and she held up a piece of white computer paper and a piece of black construction paper. It said, we're no longer calling black children black look at this piece of paper this is not the color of a black child we call them african-american everybody called black the black students african-american and i was like that's kind of weird because even when i was even when i was like nine years old i was like i'm not african (laughs) you know like i i didn't i had never really 
um, identified as African American, even as a kid. And I was very, I wouldn't say I was super racially aware until I was a little bit older either. I think when, I don't know if you experienced this, but I was a little kid, I feel like I was unaware that I was mixed. I felt like my parents were just different colors and not like, I didn't know what race was. So I was like, my dad's darker. That's it. When I was younger, I grew up in the ghetto. We, they call it the hood now. But, but I grew up in the 70s. We didn't call it the hood. We, the hood started in like 1990s when it started being called the hood. Prior to that, it was called the ghetto. I grew up in the ghetto. All my friends were black or Hispanic. I just thought I was black. I thought my mom was the weird one. I just, to be forward, and I don't always share this, we used to call ourselves the N-word all the time. <laughs> That's how we spoke. I used to use the N-word daily. That was what I grew up in. Like, we like, yo, what's up, ma? That was the thing we I said to I can't even everybody. imagine you saying that, Larry. I, that's how <laughs> I grew up as a kid when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ah. eleven, elementary school. We were all N-words. All of us were. It's what we did. We didn't know any better. So for someone to just, we used to tease when we used to watch, like, shows like Good Times, and they would say, there's like, Negro, please. We, that, we thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Right? That was funny. Oh, Negro, that's funny. That's what we used to think. But we called ourselves black all the time. I mean, to other, I didn't realize, it's going to sound so stupid, but you'll get it. I didn't realize black people were a minority. I guess if you just grew up in that environment. I grew I, up you around know black crazy? people, Hispanic people. I grew up in a diverse environment too. I don't realize, but it's like, I, I would feel, I, it's not majority black. I would say it's probably Hispanic, but a lot of people who look like me, there's a lot of like biracial kids, a lot of interracial couples in my area because it's been diverse for a while. So it's not abnormal to be mixed here. And then when I went to school in like an all white town and I was, and people were so confused by it. And I was just like, everybody looks like this where I'm from. Like, it's just not a big deal. And then I didn't realize how white the rest of the country is. Like I traveled to Missouri yes. last summer and I was, I did not see it one single black person i was there for a month i didn't see one single black person and i was door knocking so i was door knocking like 50 to 100 doors a day and how do i not see a single black person they just don't have them it was it was like pretty far from like any city like it was an hour and a half south of st louis so there was really just no minorities there and that was so eye-opening because i was like there are people that go probably that definitely go months on end without seeing a minority because i went a whole month there and didn't see a black person so i was like I don't know. I I, it I remember because it seems it's so it's probably so easy to be a little bit ignorant, not out of hatred or bigotry, but just because you don't see people like that on a daily basis. This is the, uh, there's so many things I'm gonna bring up on this one. All right, let me let me walk down a couple of these roads with you. The first one is I wa I moved out to the suburbs when I was like 12, 11, 12. Oh my god, it was it was like wow. Okay, I get it. Black people minority. Like I didn't get that. Like I didn't. I got it. It was it was really big for me. I had to change my speech pattern. I had to change how I talk, the words I used. I didn't realize how the slightest in the 70s Bronx, that's the origin of rap. Like I grew up where rap originated. So all the cool slang I was using in elementary school because we were making it up in the Bronx. So I got out to Long Island and no one knew the cool words anymore. So I was doing the cool words, and they were like, "What? What language is that?" I'm I like, thought you were super cool, though. Like you brought all the cool <laughs> new slang to the school. No, because it was so foreign, it wasn't. I had to stop it. I was weird. Oh, okay. 
it was, I like I had to, you're weird. I, I think you were they thought you were weird for a different reason I think probably uh, but this I, sounds I better think it's but yeah <laughs> this that's my excuse I'm gonna act like I was but yeah it was a it was a big change for me to to all of a sudden go from most of my friends being black or Hispanic mostly black to almost all my friends being white it was a really big change cultural shift for me and in high school most of my friends the vast majority were were white it was a whole different change. Elementary school, they were, they were all black. All of us in high school, they're all white. So it was a big difference for me in that regard. So things change a lot in my in my mindset, trying to go into both both sides of that. But in reality, um, I learned a lot making that change. And then I joined the Marine Corps. Now, when I joined the Marine Corps, I went to boot camp. And I'm 17 years old when I joined the Marine Corps. All the kids, you know, it's 1985. All the kids are joining, many of them had never seen somebody who wasn't like them. That was a common thing. And, it, and again, to your point, they weren't being mean. They just didn't know any better. They're like touching your hair and stuff. Yeah, like they just didn't. Well, we didn't have any hair. They shaved their head. Oh, we didn't yeah. Have any hair. It's boot camp. We didn't have any hair. So, yeah, but like they just, they were learning. Wow. Like people, I remember some craziest thing for me. I remember that they were teaching us, and some of you who are, who are in the military will remember this. In the 80s, they, they were teaching us literally how to get dressed. And they were saying, put on your underwear now. Put on both shoes now. Put on both socks. Like Each one is called going by the numbers. And as a group, we all put it on. I was wondering, why do you do that? Because there were people who didn't wear underwear. Like they come from areas where you don't wear shoes. Like that wasn't a thing. Like they wouldn't wear shoes. And they wouldn't wear underwear. That was a thing, which in my um, mind, living in the concrete what, jungle. No, tell me what these areas are. What states they don't wear underwear in? I want to know. There were many, And again, this is coming from out of the 80s. These are many rural areas, particularly in the South and the West, where the people just woke up and walked around with no shoes on. They put on their overalls. Went and to the store, the, went into yeah. town with no shoes, no underwear. Yes. Why do you think they have signs that say no shirt, no shoes, no service? I feel like I only see those at like beach towns where somebody might be like walking around. We only see those in beach towns. You're right. But they actually have that in other areas where they have to say no guns allowed in the store, no guns in the public. They have their size, no guns allowed in the government building. And the sign is not of a handgun. The sign is of a guy with a rifle over his back. That's the sign. It's rifle over the back. City people don't understand that at all. That's a foreign. But if you live in a in a rural area, you get what I'm saying completely. If you're watching now, rural area, you're like, yep, yeah. I'm gonna need someone it. to confirm that they grew up in the '80s and they did not wear underwear. I'm gonna need somebody. There we go. I'm sure Please, somebody will say. Somebody it. speak up because I think he's lying. <laughs> somebody speak up right now. Yes, it's totally true. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You you'll find that there were a lot of people who just didn't wear socks or didn't wear shoes or, or didn't wear underwear or just that kind of things. So they were teaching everybody to be the same because we just didn't think that way. So anyway, I'm, I'm yapping away, but yes. You keep blaming me correct. for going on tangents and then you talk about tangents even more. Well, I got to blame somebody. Okay. You're here. That's fine. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So Jonathan says, lol, I grew up in the South, still live here. If I can go without shoes, I would most of the time. See? They don't wear shoes. I don't understand so, that. Told you. Told you. Where do you all with no shoes? And I'm going back 30 years. So now 40 years now. Well, I'm old. Damn, I'm old. 
Okay, I'm going back 35 years, right? So 30 years ago was further. 1991, Larry. There we go. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. Christopher says, I'm still not wearing undies. See that? He's already in. He's still not doing it. Absolutely. Yes, okay. absolutely. That's great. So, yeah, the but Dave says they couldn't do the Jeffersons of good times today. And I think you're right. And the sad part is what many people don't get is the Jeffersons, good times, Cosby, before we knew he was a racist. I mean, a, a rapist, not racist, yeah. where my head is. A rapist. <laughs> yeah, before you. we knew he was a rapist, Cosby before that, uh, Fresh Prince, right? I mean, these were all shows that did more for racial unity in our country than any law ever written by any politician. I mean, it made it. I remember Colin Powell, who obviously passed recently. One of the things he said that stuck with me, not the Iraq war garbage, but before that, one of the things he said was he said, I actually would have rather had Amos and Andy on TV, even though it was racist than cops. And he said, because what cops did was dehumanize black people to the American public. But what Amos and Andy did is show black people in a family, even though it was racist, they were in a family, which means the average American could go, yeah, I get that. I have a family too. And it's a very interesting point. So, yes. That is a good point. I think that is a good point because people may even see somebody in a family on TV and even recognize the negative to portray negative portrayal and be like, they're just like me. Why are they portraying them that way? You know, there we go. I, I, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, we have, we have yapped away. Let me do one more thing. If I could remember guys like comment and share, if you like the show, what we're doing, then like comment and share it. If you enjoy it. And of course, support our sponsors heading over, click that link It's the advocates.org. Take the human respect test. And share your results. And if you've already taken it, put take that link and put it in something else. Put it on Twitter. Put it on Instagram. Put it on Facebook and say, hey, take this test. It's important that you do this because our sponsors like it. It keeps our sponsors happy. They keep supporting the show. It does matter. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash sharpway. Throw us 10 bucks. I want to keep this going. Of course, please. I hope you are enjoying it. So, Olivia, let me ask you. Is there something that you want to bring up before we wrap this up? Yes, so we were going to also talk about the Virginia election. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, specifically McCall's comments on education lately that have been making a lot of people really mad. So, in short, uh, Terry McAuliffe, who is the Democratic candidate for the Virginia gubernatorial election, he had said that basically he wants to take the control of the school and education system and away from the parents and basically give it to the government. He wants to control education and not let parents have a say in it. And when he was approached by this uh, in a parking lot, leaving when the speech where he said this, uh, somebody, a parent, a disgruntled parent came up to him and said, if parents should not control the education of our children, then who? And then he responded to him and said, are you vaccinated? Get away from me. And left because the guy who approached him he happened to not be wearing a mask so instead of you know giving him a short you know one minute answer he said are you vaccinated to get away from me and left so i just wanted to touch on that because it yep. seems like one of those issues that republicans can take on to and just knock it out of the park and they're not really doing that i feel they're like not. 
this is one of those issues where it's so simple. They, you can appeal to so many dem- different demographics on this. Do do poor and urban communities, do black people want the, the big, scary white people, white man controlled government controlling their children's education? No. You know, <laughs> do, I don't think do, anybody does, though. Right. I mean, literally, I, no, I, I, it doesn't seem something that people want. Then yep. they did a poll among Virginia Democrats. I don't know the sample size, and I can't tell you the pollster because I forgot. But it was something like 70% of Virginia Democrats supported this statement by McAuliffe. And then I, I want to know how many, what percentage were parents, though. Because it may sound all good on paper. Like, you know, I want to make sure the government is making sure every child gets an equal education. If you don't have a child in the school system, you may think that that's what the school system is doing. But if you have Correct. a child in the school system, or if you recently graduated, because I don't have a kid, but... I was in the public school system not too long ago and I know what goes on there. I have a brother that's still in high school. I know what goes on there. So I'd like to know, you know, a uh, more specific consensus on that in terms of like people who actually are close to the education system. Well, I'm going to give you some news that most people probably don't know. I pulled my youngest daughter out of school. We homeschool now. How old I is couldn't, she? She's 11. I couldn't keep my kid in prison anymore. I just couldn't do it. I was like, she's in jail. I can't, I'm not sending my kid to prison anymore. I'm pulling her out. And that's not an easy thing for me to do, right? Because I live in New York City and they don't give me any extra money to do this. And anyone who homeschools knows you just pay your own way. So now my wife now is is basically a school, uh, doing, doing schooling for her and we have to pay a tutor. So we're just spending more and more money to, to and we're still paying for the school taxes, right? The whole deal. So we're paying for other kids to get put in prison. While we have still to pay for for my kid to, to get to get taught, so it's it's terrible. I I think the war on on parents, as Tom is saying here, the war on parents is going as well as the war on drugs. Yeah, war on it's, parents. I like that term because it it illustrates it perfectly. Because what other reasons they have to to do this? They they've even tried to designate parents who are standing up to the school systems as domestic terrorists. Thankfully, yes, they retracted that. And the government apologized for it, but it's like, what the, what the heck? It is a war on parents. They literally try to designate parents as domestic terrorists. That, that, yes. that is a war on parents. Yes, it's a war on parents. And that a governor would say, we don't want parents deciding what kids learn. That is literally the opposite of how our education system began. How our system began was local schoolhouses. That's how it worked. Now, you might go, well, Larry, they may not get good educations. That's true. It's possible. 100% it's possible. However, big however here, if a local area starts to fail, other areas can help and assist. But what happens when an entire state fails? Everybody pays the price. It's po- People are human, and they'll make errors. It's what people do. But every system should be set up to assume an assumption, uh, to assume a failure, and then to repair not to assume perfection, we just have enough laws to make things happen. But more importantly, let's say that parents decide that the kids should learn stuff and they're wrong. It's not good, right? It's not, it's not good. They're, they're making a bad decision. It's still their kids and it's their decision to make. Yeah, I it's think the same make. thing about like critical race theory. I think it's wrong for, you know, Governor DeSantis or whoever. I think it was DeSantis that wants to do a statewide ban of CRT because it's like, I understand what you're saying. Is critical race theory appropriate for elementary school students to learn? I personally don't think so. I would probably pull my child out of school if they were teaching that. However, 
if these parents at the school board meetings are going to show up and say, we want our children to learn this and we're paying tax dollars so our children can learn what we want them to learn, then do it. I don't think we should ban ideologies. I don't think we should ban curriculums. Like, for example, like the, the big thing before this, especially during like the 90s and uh, I guess 80s and 90s was like uh, create, uh, creationism versus science and evolution and people... I mean, essentially, creationism is is banned unless you're, like, in a private school. I honestly, I don't think that any theory should be banned. I think just provide provide an alternative. Like, literally, if the, if, if the parents show up to the school board meeting, they take a vote, and 95% of the parents are like, we should teach this as a theory, as an option, then, you know, who is the governor or the president to say banned? So well, I, but, I, here, I but here's my problem with that, right? Let's say you 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 say, well, no. Olivia, you got to teach the science. You can't teach criticism. Let's say people say that. It's great. If you're a parent who really wants your kid to learn creationism and you're in an environment where most of the parents want their kids to teach learn creationism, aren't you going to teach to them anyway? Aren't they going to believe it anyway? Aren't they going to hear it in the church anyway? So you can teach them in school and say, I'm not going to teach that in school. As if now that the parents are not going to teach their own kids that. I know lots of people who still think creationism is fine and they all went to science class. Why? Because their parents taught them that and they believe that. And that's fine. Do I believe it? No, I, I don't believe in creationism. But that's fine. I, I don't, you can. I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me if you do. Say again? There's going to be a hit piece that Larry Sharp believes that the earth is like 6,000 years old. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in that. But it's fine. But again, this is my issue. I don't care if you do. I'm not mad at you if you do. I'm not upset at you. I'm not going to insult you if you do. You were raised in a way that that's how you think all good. My question is, are you a good person or not? If you're a jerk, I don't care if you think the earth's flat or not. You're a jerk. If you're a good person, I don't care if you think the earth's 6,000 years old or not. I don't care. You're a good person. It doesn't matter to me what your background is in that regard. It's irrelevant. And I can't stop it anyway. So why would I bother, right? Even if I wanted to, I can't. The only way I could possibly stop it is if we give out all the information and people get it and the right people have the right examples and the right communities and the right growth patterns and people call, and people follow it. That's it. That's all I care about. So yes, I'm actually with you. I actually am against, I'm actually against, um, against governors, not just forcing mandates, but also being against mandates. I'm with you. I think the local people should pick it to the best of their ability. However, there's, there's another piece to it. You have to make it easier for people to create private schools and homeschool. Oh, absolutely. If you, you've got to do both. If you make it right now in certain areas, realistically, they, they're stuck with the private school. If you're stuck with, I'm sorry, stuck with public school. If in certain areas you're stuck with public school, then making CRT mandatory or not mandatory affects a lot of people who may want it or may not want it. But if you have a system to where it's easy to create pop, uh, pop private schools and easier to homeschool, maybe you're a parent who doesn't care. CRT, whatever, I don't care. Just give my kid education, I don't care. Then you won't care, and the people who care will vote for it or against it, and you'll be fine. But if you're a parent who's, I want my kid to know it, okay, you can go to the private school, and they'll teach it. It's fine. So I think if you make it easier for people to make more schools, then I'm with you. My worry is for some communities – they're stuck with the public school no matter what. I agree with that, but that's part of the reason why 
I believe that parents should be able to go to the school board meetings and vote on these types of things because they have no other option. They can't take their tax dollars and go to a charter school and they can't take their tax dollars and go to a private school because those may not be an option or they just can't afford it because not a lot of people can afford to pay taxes and then pay private education on top of that. Many people, their only option would be a situation where they could take their tax dollars allocated for their child and take it to a charter school or a Montessori school. Like they have programs and options like that, but not everywhere. So that's why I think that it's important for parents to, you know, take charge of these meetings and it could, it could get crazy. I've seen a ton of crazy videos lately of parents being like, uh, you know, pro mandate in the classroom, like pro mask in the classroom or anti-mask in the classroom. And I think that's good. I think it's important for parents to show up to the meetings. Honestly, even if the parents are pro mask in the classroom, which I'm really not, as long as they're showing up, because that still goes against what McAuliffe is saying, is that parents should not have say That's in correct. education. Look, I'm not mad. That. In, in New York City, all the kids are masked all day. They can't talk. They're literally in prison all day. Many of my friends send their kids to prison every day. I'm not mad at them for it. I, it is my opinion. It's a terrible idea. And I took action and I pulled my kid out. But if you want to send your kid to prison, you're the one who has to deal with your kid being a prisoner and that yeah. all the reaction to that that's your kid you're dealing with it and it's fine it's you it's fine and it's you but you can't fault anybody else for taking their kids out of, out of the school people act Thank like people you. are right-wing extremists and again domestic terrorists for doing things like that when it's like it's like people forget the reason that people even have kids people don't have kids so the government can raise them and teach them and nurture them and take care of them and get them jobs people have kids so they can do that for their kids i don't understand why they're they're, they're begging the government to take care of my kid take care of my kid teach my kid educate my kid that's your job that's the parent's job i don't know why people i'm I'm with you i i take that yes jonathan says i'm not inclined to ban any idea because it ruffles feathers I agree with Olivia. Banning ideas is an equivalent of mental book burning, in my opinion. Oh, I like that. Mental book burning. I like that. That's very good. Yes. 100%. So Dustin says, my half-sister who grew up in a different household is a nurse and a young earth creationist. I'm a geologist, polar opposite much. Yeah, but I bet you still love your half-sister, Justin. You're like, oh, I can't talk to her anymore. You probably still love her. I, I hope she's a good person. I'm I'm assuming she's a nurse, so she's probably a good person. I assume that to be the case. She's helping people. I'm sure she's wonderful. I actually don't care if she's a creationist or not. It's not I an issue for me. It's like one of those things where it's like, how is that going to affect my life if somebody believes that the earth is flat or believes that the earth is 6,000 years old? Or like, I, I get it's a little bit different with critical race theory because there I've seen I've seen elementary school lessons and part of the curriculum in California and, and other left leaning states where you know people are our kids are being forced to like tally up their privilege points or are being forced to like yes. you know, apologize for their ancestors and that's something that can really mess up a kid. So I, I, yes. I, that's, that's where I'm coming again. We're saying I would put my kids out of school. I would try to move my kids to a private school. I try to move my kids to a charter school if that's not an option. Yeah, and that's why I'm worried about my younger kid, right? Yeah. Because my kids are are obviously mixed also, right? So my daughter, my oldest daughter, she was in high school. And she's still in – I'm getting her to graduate early. She's leaving leaving in January because I just – I can't have her staying longer. So she's graduating early. So – but the the problem is they were deciding on whether she's privileged enough because she's not fully black enough. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you, Olivia? Yeah, exactly. Of course you do. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I've never encountered <laughs> yes. that in my life. Absolutely. Yes. So is she black enough? I mean, 
How does that make a kid who's sick, uh, particularly a girl who's 15, 16, 17, already dealing with her own ideas of what is it to be a woman, womanhood, adulthood, what is my attractiveness level, where do I fit in life, all the things that teenagers, girls and boys, in my case, daughter, but all teenagers are thinking, right? Where do they fit in life? Is You start thinking that when you're 14, 15, 16, 17, that's it. My daughter's deal with, with CRT at that age. So is she privileged enough? Is she white passing enough? Is she black enough? Is she this? Wow. My daughter never had to worry about race until recently. Yeah, that that that's so crazy. I'm curious because I, I feel bad for not knowing. So is, is her mom white? Is she a quarter black? Or- yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I can see how that would cause issues. And I, because, I mean, it, it, depending on who you ask and depending on how my hair is, some people will call me white passing, especially if I have straight hair. When my hair is like this, I'm obviously not white or not white passing. But I, it's, it's definitely been called into question. Like people will be like, oh, well, even though you're black, you're light skinned. So you have that type of privilege. Like you have light skin privilege or you have yes, privilege. light skin privilege. I've or heard that like, one before too. Oh, or they're like, you know, oh, one of your parents is white, so you're probably rich. That's that's the main one I get. I'm yes. like, oh, was somebody gonna tell me? Like, was yeah. I'm just now finding this out. This is crazy. Yes. They've been <laughs> hiding that money from you. Been getting mad at your parents. They've been hiding the money. Clearly, clearly. clearly. Yes, absolutely. No, but um, th- that's my issue with some of that right now. Is it, it it makes kids think about to be forward? Do I have a problem with people? Talking about race, not at all. I talk about it all the time. Talking about it's fine. It's when you start assigning blame and responsibility, that's when I start having an issue. And trying to fit like a one size fits all privilege thing because is is an NFL player and a factory worker who are both black, do they have the same level of privilege? No. Clearly not. Yes. But it's like it's like this one size fits all thing. And then when they realize that's an issue, then they start doing intersectionality and that makes it even worse. So now they're just they make it even further. They take it one step further. So like there's the level of the black man, right? Then there's like a gay black man and he's like way down here. Right. It doesn't matter if he's a billionaire, but it's just because he fits into this another even more minority box, then it's like less privilege, I guess. Right. It, it no, it can be it can be a serious problem. I, I agree. All right, so I, I think when it comes to Virginia McAuliffe is a bad guy. However, Virginia's pretty blue. My gut says he still wins. Oh, for sure. Oh, for I sure. Because wins. the Democrats, not not inclu- I, I, like I said, I think that parents would support this less, but Democrats in Virginia, 70% supported that statement. That just shows how far gone it is. Because like you said before, the Democrats used to be the party, or at least used to claim to be the party of free speech, peace, like equal opportunity, freedom. Now we're banning things. Now we're saying the government is going to control your kids' education. That's that's dystopian. That's like something that um, the Democrats would say that a Republican would do in like the 80s. Like, oh my God, the Republicans are trying to take control and teach your kids, you know, Christianity and that Harry Potter is evil and witchcraft. Like, that's what they would say. Um, if this was 19, if this wasn't 2021, ni- if this is 1971, no one would believe Democrats were doing this. 
Like they would think, no, they'd be like, that's what Republicans would do. They would never think this in 1971. Virginia Democrats are too far gone. They voted the, totally the black. They, they voted. Actually, we never even found out if Ralph Northam was a blackface guy or the Ku Klux Klan guy. He never oh, even right. admitted to which one he was. It's just it's more likely that he was the blackface guy, because I think that was like one of his nicknames or something in, in high school or college. But they voted for him again. Because, because, because why? Because the Democrats. Because he's not, because he's not a Republican. That's it. That's the reason. That's it. But let a Republican wear blackface. Let just like literally let, 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 let them wear blackface. Let's just see what happens. Somebody should do a social experiment. Well, the, the, the reality is if you're a Republican and you would wear wear blackface, just double down because you're never going to get it. You're never going to ever live it down. Just go, yeah, I did it, and it was fun. Going to, at that like, point, say it wasn't a costume. Down. Say it wasn't a costume. Just say that's yeah. how – that was – like, that clan hood, that was not a Halloween costume. I'm in the clan. That's, yes, just say it. Yes. <laughs> I, I was in the clan. That wasn't – that wasn't – what? I was I, trying I, to hurt people. I made what a mistake. About? I was in the clan because nobody is going to cut you any slack. That's correct. Nobody's no one's going to cut you any slack. Just say, yeah. Just yeah, I was I was yeah. I'm, that picture I'm a jerk right there. We actually took that picture after we got down from burning down a black church. <laughs> exactly. And yes. Sorry. <laughs> yes. There we go. I completely agree. It's terrible. All right, guys. I'm gonna let you all go. Olivia, thank you so much for this evening. It was amazing. I appreciate your time and energy. Thank you so much. This was fun. Everybody else, thank you so much for watching. Remember, um, this show is going to be on again tomorrow, probably about eight. You will see more and more of Olivia. I will see you all very soon.